You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, Revelation chapter 12. Should have just put this on to start with. Okay. All right. You hear me okay? Yep. Start in verse 1, if you will, and let's work our way down. The Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for devour, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. <clears throat> Notice there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, um, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now can everybody read verse 11, 11 out loud with me? We're in verse 11 now. And so verse 11 together. And the Bible says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I've used this little phrase several times when I've talked to others about how powerful our testimony that the Christian has, how powerful that really is. And uh, so I've, I've often used this uh, example here. They overcame him, first of all, obviously by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing more powerful than the testimony of Christ and his death on Calvary and the blood that was shed to cover our sin debt. But then it went on to say, and by the word of their testimony. And I wanted us tonight, if we could, um, and I'd like to, uh, if you could just kind of loosen up. It's Wednesday night and um, it's, a little, it's a little different. I give my testimony all the time and, and I'm happy to do it again tonight, but I think you could probably finish my every sentence after I, as I'm telling it. So I'd like to hear your testimony tonight. If, if you wouldn't mind at least, and, and you say, oh no, he's going to get every one of us to give our testimony. You don't have to. It's fine. If you're willing to, it would be really nice if we could just take our time together here this evening. And I will say it again, the most powerful thing that you possess is your testimony. In our Sunday school class, 
I'm going through classes on witnessing, and, and uh, out on the counter out there, we have the sheets from every Sunday, and, and I expound on it a lot and add to some of the things that are there, but I would encourage you, if you don't come to our Sunday school class, to get one of those sheets and, and look over them. It'll encourage you, at least hopefully it would encourage you to be a, a testimony for Christ. And if the Lord keeps giving me the liberty that I feel like I have for Sunday, I want to talk about um, how effective uh, handing out gospel tracts can really, really be. I, we, had, um, we had a family whose last name was Souter uh, years and years ago in our church, and I think they started off working at um, uh, Dakota Auto Parts. Does anybody remember those, that family? Their last name was Souter. I think it was Kevin and Cindy Souter. Does that name ring a bell to anybody other than me? You kind of vaguely remember them? Way back in the John and Pat Bamer days. Remember John and Pat Bamer? You guys remember them? In, the, in those days. Um, so Kevin, um, he, here's his testimony. How many have ever seen the million-dollar bill that people give away? And it looks really real, or it could be $10,000 bill, whatever it was. Saw one laying on the ground and picked it up. He was rich and flipped it over and it had the gospel and the real riches. Read that and got saved. Got involved in church, baptized, serving the Lord, and I forget where they went to, I'm, but I'm going to be teaching on um, Sunday on, on the effectiveness of uh, just planting and watering, planting and watering. And, uh, and, and then really what I'm striving for is to get our church to be willing to give your testimony. Sunday's lesson was on being a witness, that you are a witness once you get saved. You're either a silent witness and you're pleading the fifth, or you're a talking witness. And so, honestly, you don't have anything more powerful than your testimony about how you got saved. And we just don't tell it to others. It's how people find out how God changed your life. And it, it works in their life. It has a convicting power on people when you tell how God changed you. I um, just had the opportunity today. A young man, I, I was doing some work for us, and I was able to, I said, now, don't run away. I, I ran and got one of my tracks, and I came back to him and was able to stop and, and witness to him today. And it was, uh, it was just a blessing to leave the track with him. And I pleaded with him, please read this. I said, it can, can change your life. And uh, I'm trusting the Lord that he will. So if you're willing to, would you mind um, sharing your testimony? Tell me, you know, I always tell you how I went to revival and the first night I went home telling mom and dad, you know, I sensed something, uh, conviction was setting in on me. And, um, and I don't care, don't take 20 minutes, but you can take three or four minutes if you need to. And if you just want to say, I got saved when I was eight and then pass it on, that's fine. Um, but Everybody's got one. I'm looking around. I don't think you're lost here tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, you made it here, didn't you? You're not lost. So why don't we start over here? Let's go, Ken, if we can start over here on the far side. I think Sandy um, popped her hand up. And can you just tell us, you can tell us uh, where you were, you know, where did this happen? And if you want to build up to it just a little bit, I don't, you know, not five minutes, but if you can take a minute or so. If we all get involved, it would, we'll be here a long time. But anyway, go ahead. It was October 1st of 1971. I know I'm not that old. Um, my mom and dad, my dad was a pastor, 
and we had lost the church he was at, so we were having church services in our living room. And I'm an exception from the normal. People say, oh, I got scared of hell. It scared me out of hell. Mine was more I wanted to go to heaven. And so they say there's so few of us who, were, who got saved because of how good heaven was, but I'm one of those. Amen. Um, I was a little over five and a half years old, and Dad had been preaching about heaven and how great it was going to be. And I looked at my mom and I said, um, so you'll take me to heaven when you go? And she goes, well, I can't do that. You have to do that yourself. So she explained that it had to be something I decided. So, yeah, for me it wasn't I got, you know, scared of the terror of hell. For me it was how great heaven was going to be and how nice it was going to be. And I was five and a half, and that just sounded really like a good place to be. So, so yeah, it was in the living room of my mom and dad's house um, 47 years ago. Man, that's great. That's good to hear that. I've not heard some of your testimonies outside of the fact that I know you're saved. Aren't you? I'm sure y'all are, right? You're teaching Sunday school and all these other things. Who else over here? Somebody in this area. All right. <laughs> I'll make Ken go back and forth and back and forth. Pastor, I'm sure you remember it. You were, you were mm-hmm. a great part of it. But before that, I just don't remember asking the Lord uh, uh, come in, to come into my life. I just assumed he was. I didn't hmm. say, Lord, please, uh, you know, will you accept me? And so it was October 5th, 2007. Uh, we were in Omaha at the, the men's retreat. And I can't remember what he was preaching about. It was something about but I, something you had to ask the Lord mm. into your life, and I, I just couldn't remember. Maybe I did. I don't know. But I made sure on October 5th, 2007, yeah. with the pastor helping me. I remember that. Um, and uh, I, I'm saved. Man. <laughs> That's all there is. You just got to ask. Amen. Amen. Who else over here? Right. I got saved in March of this year. I started attending church, I believe it was in February, and the pastor started on a series in Sunday school on addiction, on my addiction. I, uh, one Sunday he made the comment about how when we pursue sins like this that we're actually hurting God, and that hurt me. That hurt me so bad. I, I pretty well cried myself all the way home. And I sat down in my front room and I started praying. And I asked God to come into my life. I asked him to clean me up and to take me home. And I felt like an immense weight was lifted off of my shoulders that, that morning. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Over here? Nancy. I don't remember the exact time, but it was the year 1953. My mom had just lost a baby, Hmm. and our neighbors came over and led them to the Lord, and they kept asking me whether I wanted to be saved too, and I didn't understand at the time. But our whole family started going to their church, and the Sunday school teacher 
asked if anybody wanted to go to heaven, and my hand shot up right away. And she says, I'll meet with you after Sunday school. So what she did, and she says, why did you raise your hand so fast in Sunday school when I asked if anybody wanted to go to heaven? I said, because my baby sister went there. Jesus took her home Hmm. to be with him. And I want to go to be with my baby sister, too. And she says, well, we can't exactly start there. And she had to start all over again about how naughty I had been. And my mom used to chase us around the house to get us to <laughs> beat to death, you know, how that was. And um, I prayed the prayer with her. And I said, really, will he hear me way up in heaven? I'm just little. And then she says, yes, he will hear you and he will answer that prayer. Yeah. So, I don't know that it made me any better as a kid, but it's been better ever since. <laughs> Got one right there, same row. Same row, a little short one. I don't know when it was, but I got saved when I was three years old in the corner of the daycare. Amen. Praise the Lord. Guys, if that's all you say, that's good. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the corner of a daycare, but wherever you got saved, it can. I was uh, saved at Inspiration Hills uh, Bible Camp hmm. uh, at the end of a chapel service when I was 10 years old. Amen. Right there in front of you there. I was saved at uh, five. It was after a Sunday service, and Dad was at a deacon's meeting, and Mom was at home, and she showed me how to be saved, and I've been saved ever since, of course. It's a good thing. That was at home. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? You know, we can go back and forth. Uh, let's come over here for a while, and we've got, we should have a bunch here. Surely. They've been getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> Had a chance, haven't they? Um, I got saved through child evangelism at the state hmm. fair when I was probably eight years old. Really? Um, but I was raised in a Lutheran home, and so I was not. I was very religious. We went to church every Sunday. We honored um, those that were in staff <clears throat> at our church. My grandparents were always working, doing something for the youth group or something with the 4-H and just really giving people. Um, so growing up, I was very much involved with learning how to be a servant, having a servant's heart. Then uh, fast forward a few years and Todd and I married and we were having battles and ready for divorce court. And we, um, he was already working for Craig at the garage. And so because of that invitation, we came to some event at the church here, and eventually through the young couples class um, and the preaching of God's word, God restored our marriage so that we were able to have 28 years before I went to heaven. I just praise the Lord for the Bible and the teaching of God's word and allowing me to be idle for all those years, yet he kept me from major problems and harm to bring us to a place where we could serve God. Amen. Um, I was saved 
May 18, 1980, um, 12.15, three rows back at Eastside Baptist Church. And in those pews, you could see my fingerprints because I was fighting it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I just always said, the next week, I will go forward um, because I know it's going to be a better sermon next week. And it was. And then I, I said, it's going to even be a better sermon the following week. And it was, and um, until an evangelist came, and I went, forget it, I have to go forward, I have to get saved, but uh, through my life, I, if you would have asked me, I thought I was saved, because um, I grew up in church all of the time. We went three times a week um, for life, and um, my mom was so good that I knew I was saved just because of that. And you know that's false thinking, but that's what my thought pattern was, that um, we would have missionaries come in. My parents did so much in the church, kind of like Sherilyn's. They were involved in everything that there was. Um, It wasn't anything that they didn't do. So I really thought I was good enough um, to go just because of my family was good enough to go. But coming to this church um, taught me that it had to be personal. So it was personal um, one day when I was a teenager. So praise the Lord. Amen. Um, I was saved in my parents, or in our home, in my parents' bedroom in Fulham, Minnesota. At the time, um, well, I was nine years old. It was January 14th, 1980. Um, Dad was a layman at that time. We were going to Calvary Baptist Church in Worthington, Minnesota, and I don't know if Leah, Leah Hash that comes. She was my best friend growing up when we were little. Um, but my, they would keep asking me, like, all the time, do you want to get baptized? Do you want to get baptized? Because I had told them I was saved. I don't know, because um, oh, I, t- I told them I went forward in our junior church way back um, in Uh, Peoria, Illinois, and I kept saying, no, no, I don't want to get baptized because I knew you had to be saved first, and I knew I wasn't. Well, finally, one night, uh, Sunday night after church, um, I remember being in my parents' bedroom, and Dad said, your your best friend Leah is getting baptized next week. Do you want to get baptized with her? And I said, no, my usual answer, and and it was at that point, and I am so grateful that... um, my dad looked at me and he said, are you sure you're saved? And I said, no, I know I'm not saved. <laughs> and so he said, well, we can take care of that right now. And till this day, I am just amazed at the, the power of, of the word of God and the power of God, how it can just take a life and turn it completely around. I watch him do it in so many testimonies. And my life was like, these guys, I went to church three times a week. We were always involved in church, but um, just to see the testimonies, what God can do, and we all have to be saved from hell. Today, I was listening to a program um, on the radio when they were talking about the opioid epidemic, and this man, it was, um, he was talking about how they, these people take these drugs, and he said, all it takes is one some for some it's just one time he said it's 
And, and he, I laughed so hard when he said this. He goes, they'll take one pill and they'll wake up dead. And I was just like, oh, I don't get that. And I don't think you realize what he said, but then it really sobered me. I thought, yeah, they will wake up somewhere. And it just really kind of convicted me after I got over the fact of the humor of it. But um, just to be a witness and a testimony wherever we are. Amen. Raise your hand. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I was saved uh, here at Eastside Baptist Church. Um, the date was uh, September 13th, and uh, we were celebrating the 9-11 um, deal, kind of giving that some attention. And um, Anyway, pastor was uh, preaching um, out of Matthew chapter 7, and uh, as most of you know, I grew up in church and uh, had a testimony as I was growing up of being saved at four years old. And uh, I'd struggled with that a lot over the years. And um, what I remember about that day is that it was written in a Bible that I had. And I remember reading it a lot. And uh, um, that day, Pastor was preaching on Matthew chapter 7, and he got down to verse 22, and it says, uh, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and, uh, um, and then it moves on to verse 23, and it says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And uh, for some reason, everything about that day, um, from the choir special that we were practicing to uh, Brother Corey prayed a prayer in choir, and uh, one of the things he said in his prayer is he said, Lord, if um, if you'll save somebody today, and we know that you want to, and uh, I remember when he was praying, I kind of looked up at him, like, well, I wonder why he would say that. That was kind of a weird thing to say in the prayer, I thought. And everything about the, that, that service on that day um, was leading up to pa uh, Pastor and his message um, and the Word of God, these words that were said, those that, uh, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we even sang a song, I love to tell the story. And uh, verse 3 of that song really stood out to me. It says, I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. And I remember reading that, and I, almost st I, I stopped or singing the song uh, because it, it grabbed my attention so much that I didn't really love to tell the story of my salvation. Um, I'd tell people you should, you know, you, if you don't know Jesus, you'd probably get saved. And, but I didn't have a time when I remembered being excited about telling my own story, and that bothered me big time. And then the message was preached, and then it, it bothered me that I could be one of those ones that would stand before God, having cried, Lord, Lord. And uh, I've heard the stories of, uh, of testimonies when people were like, I just couldn't wait for the message to get done so I could get it settled. And, and uh, I know what that felt like that day, and, it, and it, uh, it, it gripped me that I could be that one that God would tell me, depart from me. And the thing that kept going through my mind was that all of the memories and the question, the what-if scenarios that I went through in my mind would matter nothing at all when I stood before the Heavenly Father. And it was either going to be settled or I didn't have it settled. And I needed to get it settled for me. It didn't matter how many people told me I had it had been happened. It didn't matter how many 
times I read it in the Bible that if I didn't know it for sure for me, God wasn't going to accept me into heaven based on somebody else's um, account of what I actually did. And uh, that day, I got it settled. And uh, um, I'm amazed at the, uh, at the peace that comes from that, from knowing for myself um, the family, church family, none of that matters. It, it, I had to know it for me. And uh, I just praise the Lord for the Word of God that uh, pierced my heart that day and how everything about the service led up to that. And uh, um, I just thank the Lord for that, the Word of God. Thank, thank God for Pastor taking the time. I remember sitting in your office and with my testimony, you would have had every opportunity to tell me, you're not saved. And never once did Pastor look at me and say, well, it sounds like you're not saved. He just kept bringing it back to me. I had to answer the question for myself, and God took care of it that day for me. Well, I grew up in a, um, a Christian home, uh, and we went to an Assemblies of God church, and so... <clears throat> If you're not familiar, one of the big differences there is that um, they believe that you can lose your salvation. That's a common teaching there. And I remember that being a common teaching as, as I was a kid and growing up. <clears throat> and I remember many times um, coming under conviction about certain things or, or hearing uh, sermons, a lot of youth camps, uh, where they would say, you know, does anyone want to get saved, something like that. And I remember many prayers that I prayed in sincerity, truly believing that I needed to be saved, but over and over each time, um, because that was a common, common teaching was that, you know, we can lose our salvation. I remember my youth pastor even, you know, explaining this to us, why we can lose our salvation. And that always scared me because, well, then that means I need to get saved, you know, every day, because what, what if I die this day? You know, and I didn't get saved that day. Um, so, I mean, but every single time that I prayed, it was always a prayer of sincerity to believe. Um, but it wasn't until that I came to to this church really um, and heard the word of God being preached, did a more clear picture uh, of salvation come to me? I guess not through through Scripture. You know, seeing having pastor show me. Um, times at the men's retreat, things like that, talking with other men here, but, but really being able to look at the, the scriptures and, and having it expounded and explained to me that, you know, these are all the reasons why we believe that you cannot lose your salvation. <clears throat> so I don't have a, you know, like many of you here, I don't have a specific day when I will say I was saved this date this year. Um, I have a testimony much like Heath when I was uh, a four and a half or five years old, and I just, at the very least, vaguely remember um, going over to my grandma's house and um, being on her couch and getting saved. But I believe one thing is true, and that's the Word of God, and it was Brother Ruckman, it was Pastor, and it was the men's retreat, most recently this year, uh, the men's retreat, and looking at the scriptures, especially the ones about salvation, obviously, but in Acts chapter 16, it says here, um, this is the story of the, uh, the the Roman jailer when he was converted, 
And uh, he asks Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And the scripture just settled it in my heart. I believe absolutely on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't have to doubt anymore whether I have, not salvation, but eternal, I don't know how to explain that fully, but eternal salvation. I'm not going to, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm not saved anymore. Um, I was saved. I don't know the exact date, but I tell you right now, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. Amen. And I believe that the scripture tells me then that I am saved. So Amen. that's my kind of testimony. Praise the Lord. I guess I'm going. Um, I was raised in a Christian house. I went to Christian school. Um, I vaguely remember being um, saved in second or third grade at my parents' house, and then I got baptized at First Baptist. Um, but I was not really discipled very well, um, and I did not understand what surrender meant um, alongside my salvation. Um, and I went through a lot of years of rebellion, and I would say probably at the age of 22 or 23, I got clean from drugs, and by God's grace, I got clean from drugs. That was, mm -hmm. I got to my breaking point, and I surrendered to the Lord, and I feel yeah. like he actually showed me who he really was, or maybe I was just finally mature enough and surrendered enough to see it, but that's when the Lord changed my life, and mm -hmm. it's amazing that I have the life <clears throat> I have today, because seven years ago, I would never have dreamed I could have this kind of life. I'm so grateful. Amen. I was not raised in a Christian home. And um, at a very young age, I got into some trouble. And I remember I was about 14 or 15 years old. And um, I was trying to figure out why I was here, you know, the meaning of life, you know. Um, if there was a God, I, I remember praying, God, if you are real, you have to show me. And um, when I was about 19 years old, I actually got saved um, September 9th of 1985. Mm. And um, <clears throat> my sister actually led me to the Lord. She'd been praying for me, and she used to call me, read the Bible to me. And I just thought she was crazy, you know. I don't know why she's spending all this time reading the scriptures to me. Um, and she, she was really concerned about my soul. And um, I remember the day that I got saved. Um, they always talked about the rapture. And I didn't really understand much about it. I had been to church with her about two times and... Um, but the rapture, you know, she used to say, well, if I'm not here, you know, when you get back, the rapture took place. And, mm. and I, I remember getting really scared about it. And um, one day she was supposed to be home and she didn't come and she didn't come. And I remember when she walked in the door, I grabbed her hand and I said, I thought the rapture came mm -hmm. and you weren't going to be able to tell me how to get saved anymore. And um, so we prayed in her living room, and God saved. And <laughs> he not only saved my soul, but he saved my life. <laughs> he let me raise a family. 
that's in church today, and Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. That's good. I wasn't raised in a Christian home either. Um, the first time, I think the first time I heard the clear gospel, I was 19 here in Sioux Falls. And it was probably, I think that was uh, November in 97. And then in Elk Point, I read the, the back of a Gideon's Bible. And then I understood what they had been talking about. So that's when I surrendered my life and asked Christ to save me. Man. An Elk Point. Elk Point. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I was not raised in a Christian home either, but I was a bus kid. I was um, taken to church every Wednesday and every Sunday um, to the bus driver who I call my dad. My dad passed away when I was five, so he kind of came in and picked, picked us up to go to church, and he became like a father to me. And to this day, we have a relationship. Um, but I, at the age of 18, I was just in a really bad place in my life, and I was pretty much single with two kids, and I was just a hurting soul. And I knew enough. I knew at that time Juan was uh, we were going through a rough spot. Um, we were still not married, and I know I would pray for him, and I remember one time kneeling, and I knew enough. I knew that there was, when we came to Sioux Falls, I didn't attend church because I was a bus kid out in California, but when we moved to Sioux Falls, that just all stopped, so I was not going to church, but I knew enough about a God that was out there. I, I remember that, so I remember kneeling one day and just praying and saying, um, God, if you're real, bring Juan back to me. So that's, and, and help him. And I don't think it was long after that, he came to me and he said, I'm, I'm going to treatment. So he went to treatment for a month and he said, we're going to church when I get out of treatment. So uh, we, we came to church and I knew that not only God would save me, but that he would help me in my own life. Like he would just give me a life, a purpose and I remember the first Sunday we went to church and Pastor Howdy could not, I knew what I had to do, but his, he couldn't get done quick enough. He couldn't mm -hmm. be done preaching fast enough so I can get saved because mm -hmm. I thought that was the only place I could do it was mm -hmm. in church. So um, my Aunt Patty led me to the Lord in 2004. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. I didn't know you was a bus kid who, in California. Praise the Lord. Um, I was working at the telephone company. Um, Elmer Holso worked for my dad, and I worked for Elmer. And it was, I don't know, five years after we got married, and I'd had my first child, and I needed a babysitter, and Elmer told me, he says, I know somebody who babysits, which is Stevie Stridicky. And so I took um, Bren out to her, and, <laughs> and anyway... Stevie invited me to go to church with her, and I said, oh, sure, I'll go. Because it's, it's really weird all through my life, even though I wasn't really raised regularly in church. I was in church. And for many, many years, even after I got married, I was always searching 
going to this church or that church, just always looking, but, you know, I wasn't getting anything tangible out of it. So anyway, I says, yeah, I'll go. Well, the day that I had to go, it was like, no, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. But I did. And um, Pastor Henry was the pastor then. You, you weren't here yet. Nope. And um, needless to say, when I went home, it was like I had not heard anything like this before in my life. <laughs> and I had said something to Elmer. Well, then Stevie came to my house then a Saturday, I think it was. And that was December 8th, 1979. And I got saved that day and baptized on the 12th. Hmm. Now, my testimony is going to take a little bit different turn from everybody else's because I was diehard faithful at Eastside Baptist when we were down on South Sycamore. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I can't even tell you how old I was, I left the church. I can't even give you a reason why I left, but then I went through some years of real rebellion after being really solid in the church for how many years and um, just walked away from God. Ruined my testimony, but God knows how to give you a new one. And um, he knows how to go after that one, to leave the 90 and 90 yeah. and go back after his own. Yeah. And that's what he did. Hmm. And I've been in church ever since. And so, you know, I am very thankful to the Lord that he didn't leave me. It's just like a parent watching your kids Okay, we're going to let you fall. We're going to let you have to, you know, yeah. go through whatever for you to learn a lesson. Mm. And I did, and then he just lovingly picks you back up yeah. and puts you back on a solid ground again. And I can relate to Nathan because when I left, I, went, I started going to an Assembly of God church, so I heard all that mm. and went through some real anxiety issues because of that salvation, yeah. losing your salvation thing. But I'm reminded that God says, no man can pluck you out of my hand, and that means you can't yourself. No matter what you do, you cannot even, you can't Man. ruin it for yourself. So I'm telling this because we have parents here with kids. It doesn't matter if they're teenagers, if they're young adults, or if they're adult children. If they walk away from the Lord, God knows how to bring them back. So there's always hope. Amen. When I was uh, five years old, I went to my dad's office. Um, it was that night. We had already gone to bed, and I was just laying awake in bed thinking, I don't even know about what, but I just decided I need to go to my dad's office and uh, talk with him about salvation. And I remember him showing me different verses in the Bible and, you know, John 3:16, And, um, you know, I just remember him, like, he pulled out this little black Bible that he always, like, had in his desk. I even remember later when I was 16, like, he always pulled that little black Bible out. It was pretty cool. But... Um, uh, he basically he told me how to get saved, and um, I don't remember really anything after that other than just him showing me a couple verses, and um, I had always based my salvation off of that. I mean, I didn't remember asking God to save me. I didn't remember what I was feeling at the time. didn't remember anything like that, and um, anytime I had doubts about it and I talked to my dad, he would uh, tell me about it, and like he would remind me that I did get, I did pray then, and that I did sound like I meant it, and so I always just kind of went off of that, and then uh, last year, um, at Bible College, uh, one of the pastors, um, Pastor Rule, he was preaching on, uh, don't believe the lie of the devil. And one of the points he mentioned right, like right at the end was um, the lie of your salvation. He said he's, 
unknowingly he could, to you, he could be using somebody close to you to lie to you about your salvation. They don't know it. They don't know they're being used, but he could be tricking you into believing it. And um, that really touched me just because a lot of things were going on at the time Mm -hmm. that had me concerned about my own salvation. I had been thinking about it a lot. And so on October 3rd, um, I went forward in uh, the chapel service and I got saved. Praise the Lord. So good. I was um, 11 when I when I made a, a profession, and it wasn't it wasn't real, but it was December December 11th, 2014, when I got it settled. I was I was um, talking to Brother Corey, talking to Pastor, and talking to um, some other people. In my family, and um, I was before I got it settled. I was I, I always went to bed, you know, thinking, "Is this the last night? Am I gonna wake up in the in the morning?" And um, I went to um, Brother Corey, and I'm like, I told him the situation, and he told me to uh, read First John. First um, John, that's pretty much the whole book. And um, it was then when the Lord just showed me, you are not saved. And now that, you know, I, now that you know, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to um, let it go and just think, think like, oh, I'm just, it's, it doesn't bother me. But it was bothering me. It was that conviction that God had put in my heart and in my life. And on December 11th, 2014, I got it settled. Amen. Probably should have done mine earlier. I've gotten emotional with some of your testimonies. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and um, I got saved at four. We'd come home from, um, at that time, we did Awana uh, for our children's programs. And um, I remember kneeling at the couch with my dad because I wanted to be saved, because I wanted to go to heaven. And um, through my life, I struggled with You'd have a pastor come in that would say, you know, if you don't know your date, you don't know, you don't have these memories, then you're not saved and you need to get saved. And then a bunch of people would get saved in our church. And I'd be going, oh my goodness, I must not be saved. And so I think I'd done this four or five times and talked to my dad and got reassurance multiple times. And I was at college and I, um, one of the girls on a singing group had um, just gotten saved. And she was singing them out of Amazing Grace. And I was like, I can't sing that. And so I got saved again. And I got baptized there. And I called my dad and mom, super excited. And my dad goes, are you done yet? 
And I was like, that's not how you should respond, Dad. Like, you should be excited for me. And he goes, how many times is it going to take? And I was like, well, this is it then. And I had a couple friends that said, hey, why don't you get into God's Word and just find out where you are when you actually got saved. And so I started asking the Lord, and I got in the Word, and... I can tell you that I got saved at four years old. Mm. And when I was getting away from the Lord, and I wasn't serving the Lord, and I wasn't in the Word, I would doubt my salvation. And I've talked to many friends that have gone through that same thing, that they doubt their salvation, and I tell my testimony because of that, that you don't have to doubt it. When you do, it's when Satan's getting in your head. And it's when you're away from the Lord. I can know because God says I can know. And I can go back to that time of God's been in my life. I've seen his hand in my life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to doubt it. And I praise the Lord. There are preachers that will point that out for people that are saying that they're saved and they know they're not because they need that. But for me, I needed to trust the Lord that I had settled it long ago, and I'm thankful that he did that for me. Amen. Guys, let's do two more, and then we're going to, right, right to your, yep, two more, and then we'll, um, we'll have to do it again, for sure. Diane, I took too much time. <laughs> <laughs> I was saved November in 1977. Oh, you need to tell that, Craig, tell that story. Yeah, I know. That's a good story. You have to tell that sometime. Okay. Who else? Is that going to be it? We can cut it off there if we need to. Okay. Good. I was... Uh grew up in a Catholic family, went to eight years of Catholic uh, school, and when I grew up and left the house, pretty much left the religion and left it for, I always had a understanding of the Lord and believed in the Lord and talked with him quite a bit, you know, not in a sense of <clears throat> probably the way, you know, you should, but I talked to him anyway. But anyway, later on in life, my mom and sister and people like that said, you know, I really need to have Lord in my life and I should find a church. They didn't push me into Catholic religion again. And so when I moved back here to Sioux Falls, I went to some churches and they just didn't feel like church either. There was, you know, too much music or watered down gospel or whatever you want to call it. And so then all of a sudden I met my future wife and got involved in Eastside Baptist Church and realized that is the unfiltered truth and nobody reading it and regurgitating it back the way they think it ought to be 
And so I was saved by Pastor Spencer in my bachelor pad on February 17th, 2011. Amen. And been happily married ever since and not in my bachelor <laughs> pad anymore. Amen. I know for myself, um, one thing listening to all the testimonies, uh, there's a saying, it's, you know, some, some plant, some water, but God always gives the increase. That was so true in my life from 10 years old to listen to pastor's testimony all the time. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I had a godly mom and dad. Went to a great uh, church in Huron, South Dakota, Calvary Baptist Church. Been back there a few times even as, a, as an adult and then singing there too. And so heard the gospel a lot. And I think there were just a lot of people involved sharing the truth and sharing the gospel over those first 10 years before I, I, I got saved. And really where it, it became truth to me was we had an evangelist that came and he preached one night and uh, had an experience with the ironing board and it was my mom, she was ironing and just went to her and I started asking her a few more questions and uh, not sure, those kind of things. And uh, she said the next night, I want you to you know, make sure you go forward and uh, get it settled. And sure enough, um, I would say over the years, uh, there's been, you know, I have a great memory on some things, other things not so well, but that was a time I will never, ever forget. Uh, going down front, uh, the evangelist opening his Bible, sharing some verses with me, and praying a, a, a prayer, repeat after me prayer and meaning it in my heart and what a change and people speaking about Awana and some of those things and uh, but also too what I've heard too is uh, some things that I feel affected by too was how God was always there but sometimes we walk away from God and then we feel like I, I'm not sure if I'm saved and I went through a lot of that when I was a teenager but always knowing I could go right back to that spot and I truly meant it so amen testimony we will do this again this is uh this is really powerful um it does something for us to hear you share your heart like that and and i'm sure others are at the verge of probably sharing your testimony we'll do it again at some point um but i would just let me say it again it's the most powerful thing you have nothing is more powerful than your testimony use it uh, in the world where you're at work, with family, they, if they can hear what God has done for you, and then you ask them, can I, can I share with you what Christ has done for you? And, and if they'll allow you to go into the gospel, I really believe we're holding back on the, the best thing you have to tell. And I pray that our church will be a witnessing uh, church for the Lord. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.